Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Jesse DePlante is here. Thank you for tuning into the broadcast today. We have a wonderful sermon entitled, The Motive and Sum of Christian Life. What's the sum of your life as a believer? Christ is alive in you. Now, that should affect you and make you infectious to others. People are always talking about COVID, this and that. How about the body of Christ become infectious that we get people saved? That's what they call the Apostle Paul, a pestilent fellow. A Christian disease going somewhere to infect somebody. Call a friend, tell them to turn that television on, get a pencil and paper, get some notes. You're going to enjoy this message, the motive and sum of Christian life. Watch and learn. The book of Romans, chapter 12. I want to talk to you a little bit about Romans. Romans is the Apostle Paul's greatest work, and it's placed first among his 13 epistles. There's a reason for that. And the reason why, because in the four Gospels, the four Gospels presents the words and works of Jesus. Romans explores the significance of his sacrificial death. It is a question and answer format. If you read the book of Romans, he asks you a question, then he gives you an answer. It's a question and answer format. And Paul records the most systematic presentation of the doctrine in the Bible. Romans is more than a book of theology. A lot of people think it is. No, it's more than a book of theology. It's also a book of practical exhortation. Now, it shows you how to live and what to live. The good news of Jesus Christ is more than facts to be believed. It's a life to be lived. And that's what it's all about. So I just thought I'd say a few things like that. And uh, so I want to go to Romans chapter 12. Now, I don't know if I can get through all this. You know, when the Lord began to give me this, I said, Lord, I mean, you know, this is Sunday morning. You know, if I had three or four days, I could really tie into this, but I'm, I thought I'd talk a little bit about this thing here. Paul writing to the church at Rome, but you got to understand something. The, the New Testament, you could define it as correspondence is what it is. It's just letters to churches and things of that nature. But it may be a letter to the church at Rome, but it's a letter to the church here at Covenant Church. It's a letter to you. It's been designed and op, in operation for us today. It's, it's ever going all the time. So I want to read Romans chapter 12. That's some very, very familiar scripture. Let me get to it myself. Romans chapter 12. I want to start reading with verse 1. The title of this message is, is the motive and sum of Christian life. What is the motive of Christian life? What's the sum of Christian life? So by doing these things that Kathy asked me to do, because I'm, I'm traveling a lot now, but I mean, you know, it's, if I, I have to work during the weekend, work the weekends when I'm around Kathy, because she don't give me a day off, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And she said, you know, you're not going to Hawaii. I said, great, I can get the rest. No, you can't. So I said, okay, hallelujah. The sum or the motive and sum of Christian life. And this is what this book is about, practical exhortation. Paul writing to the church in Rome or writing to the church in Destrahan, he simply, and he simply says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. In other words, beseech means more than just, hey, he said, I implore you. I want you to listen to what I'm going to say. I beseech you. Therefore, and I love the word therefore, what it is. Why is, you heard Brother Hagin say, anytime there's a therefore for in the Bible, find out what it's there for. Why did he say that? Well, I don't know if he said this. I said this. Therefore is a stepping stone from grace to duty. See, when you say, when God says, therefore, you're saved by grace, next thing in line is duty. Now you have to function and perform that grace that's in your life. So he says, therefore, I beseech you by the mercies of God. Do you realize how much mercy God has? It lasts forever. 
See, mercy is his energy. Love is a moving energy. Write that down if you're taking notes. That's why love never faileth, because it's moving. You can never hit it. It's moving constantly. It's a moving energy. I mean, it's powerful. And it'll overcome anything, anywhere, anytime, and anyhow. It's a moving energy. It's just, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God. I like this. That you present your body as a living sacrifice. Most people don't do that. They present their bodies as a sick sacrifice. Almost dead, Jesus do the work. When it should be a living sacrifice. You got to understand something about the book of Romans. The, uh, the first 11 chapters is about the redemption that is in Christ. And then the last five chapters shows us how it affects our lives. You know, Christ in you, the hope of glory. See what I'm saying? How it affects you and what you do. A living sacrifice. So none of you should ever be sick. Amen. Never. Amen. Ever. God doesn't send sickness on people like so many people say. Because where would he get it? You, you see any sick people in heaven? Have you ever seen an angel coughing? Have you ever seen an angel saying, I can't go over there, the COVID's over there, the COVID, hold oh, no. on. I mean, where are you going to get it? The only place you can get it is in hell. And when Jesus came out of the grave, he left all sickness and disease right there. Right, right, left, left it right there in hell. See, a lot of sick people in hell. Spiritually as well as physically. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present it, so you do, not God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. Why he said holy? Be ye holy for I am holy. See, you set apart for holiness. That's how people recognize you, that you are a child of God. Holiness is not chains of bondage or what you wear, or how you look. Holiness is God's very nature. And he said, be ye holy. See, he said, holy, acceptable unto God. It's acceptable. In other words, the book of James says there shouldn't be any sick. He says, is there any sick among you? If there is, call the elders of the church. All the elders of this church, stand up. If you're an elder here, you're in this there. These are the, look at them. These are the people that's got the power. Call the elders of the church. You may be seated. And do what? Anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of our hope. Maybe so. You know how God is. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he don't. No. The prayer of faith. And it shall do what? It shall lift you up. So elders, you got an awesome responsibility to stay prayed up. Because you might get a call. Oh. Oh, no, we'll have you call Pastor Catherine. Don't shuck your duty. You are in Christ. See my point? So no, let's go over that again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God... I could just preach there for hours. That you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, it's pretty easy. It's reasonable. It ain't hard. Like the church world has taught for 2,000 years. Now watch this. Be not conformed to this world. Why is the, why is the church conforming to the world? 
Why do they all want to drink like the world does? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Why do they allow that? Why do you want to look like the world? Why do you take your fashion from the world when you ought to take your fashion from God? Well, I lost a few of you right there, didn't I? Why do you want to look at all those people when you ought to be, you ought to be the example that they're looking at instead of you looking at them? See, that's conformity. I'm going to deal with that in a few minutes. Be not conformed to this world, Ooh. but be you transformed. How it's done by the renewing of your mind. That's the soul, the mind, the will, and emotion. That you may prove to who? Yourself and to anyone else around you. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm going to deal today with the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God, and it's going to take me a little while, so let me get into this so you'll understand what I'm talking about. Let me say again, the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans is about the redemption that's in Christ. That's good, that's acceptable, and that's perfect. But the next five chapters shows how it affects our lives. See, so what you believe, people must see. Not only must you be affected, you must be infected with the power of God. Paul said, I am a pestilent fellow. A real pest. It means a Christian disease. Of the sect of the Nazarene. A military commander. You're hearing what I'm saying here. So can I do a little teaching this morning for you? Since I was supposed to be in Hawaii suffering for Jesus. Which I preach all the time. Kathy's the one that lays on the beach. I don't do that stuff. But that's okay. It's all right. Hallelujah. So write this down. I want to talk about the motive and some of Christian life. You ready? Let's go there. The best anyone can do is let God have control over one's life. The best you can do is to let God have control over your life. You heard Brother Copeland, the day we were talking, he said, me and Jesse's background is sin. My background was sin. Why? Because Satan was in control of my life. I mean, in every area of my life. Now, when I got born again, I switched lords. See, Jesus is Lord and Satan is a master who will treat you like a slave. God treats you like a son and a daughter in the family. So the best anyone can do is let God have control over one's life. So I let God take control of my life. That's why I have not committed adultery as a minister of the gospel. That's why I have not stolen. That's why when I got born again, I was instantly delivered. Why do people have to go through stuff? Maybe they still keep conformity instead of transform. Don't shout me down. Something to think about. As I always say, preaching should never supersede thought. It should make you think. For you that don't know much about my life, before I was an alcoholic. Before I was born again, I drank a fifth of whiskey a day. But the size, of, I guess it's more than a quart. I don't know how much a fifth is, but it's a lot. That was just during the day. Then I drank about four milkshake. Remember those big old uh, metal uh, cups that used to make milkshakes and malts in? And I played music, a rock musician. I drank about four of those, let's say from about nine to two. So, I mean, I was pickled. Uh, Dr. Tommy Haydell, I believe he's, he's now a pastor, told me that I would have cirrhosis of the liver by the time I was 24. And I had been drinking since I'm six. Used to bring a thermos. They thought it was Kool-Aid and it was slow gin. 
By the time I got to algebra, I didn't care what A plus B equals C. <laughs> they never could figure out, boy, boy, hi, ain't it? Woo! Till they took a swallow of my slow gin, which I was trying to help out our, our, our wonderful t- teacher, Miss Conley, because she had a scratchy voice. So I said, drink this real fast, Miss Conley. It'll stop it. <laughs> you think so, Jesse? Oh, I know it will. <laughs> she took a swallow and she went, oh! I said, have another one, have another one. I gave her three big shots. And it wasn't no more about five minutes. She's going, whoo, whoo. She was 80 years old, whoo. Oh, I got suspended. <laughs> got the algebra teacher drunk. <laughs> it was a great day. It was fun. It was worth to see an 80-year-old woman go, whoo. And that's before this was popular. The best anyone can do is to let God have control over one's life. You see what I'm saying? See, love is a moving energy. So he took control over me. So when I got born again at a quarter to nine, I was instantly born again and instantly delivered. Me and Ron Fortune, hold your hand up, Ron, so people know who I'm talking about. He had the same experience. Where he was a drunk himself, drank all the time. But when he got born again, boom, it was over with. Now, I know a lot of people struggle. Why? Because there's still a little conformity in you. You got to let the purity of the gospel go as far as the pollution of sin. To understand the motive and the sum of Christian life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to let it get down deep. The deep, call it the deep. The Bible talks about that. Now watch it. Well, God's going to help me. He's going to make it happen. No, no. Write this down. God does not compel discipleship. No. He governs by the constraint of love. Write that down. God does not compel discipleship. You still have your own will. You can can go to heaven or if you want, you can go to hell. Why would you? I don't know, but you can't. Because he governs your life by the constraint of love because love is a moving energy. And the reason why he uses love because it never fails. See, he don't give you something that fails. You see what I'm saying? So, God does not compel the suffering. You're going to do this. No. He governs by the constraint of love. What makes your marriage wonderful is two things, love and trust. Can't have one without the other. If you don't trust your wife, you're going to be a miserable person. Or a husband, you're going to be a miserable person. Those things have to be connected together. And that's what governs your marital life. So let me say it again. God does not compel discipleship. He governs by the constraint of love. This is what Paul is saying to the church at Rome and what God is saying today here in Nestrahan. Or if you're in Nigeria or if you're wherever in China watching this, wherever you're viewing this this, um, uh, meeting today, he compels you through the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, love will make you do things you never thought you would do. Love will make you forget yourself. You ought to write that down. Kathy said I was a legend in my own mind. She said we both fell in love with the same person, Jesse. Now that's before I was born again, see. You see what I'm saying? Now she, she loves to hear me say that word because she hadn't heard it very much. You see what I'm saying? I understand that. But when you understand that, you're governed by that. See, that's what Romans is about. That's the mercies of God. You deserve to go to hell and die. But God said, No! My grace is sufficient. My mercy lasts forever. And I'm going to use the energy moving power of love to handle it. Did you get that? So God does not compel discipleship. He governs by the constraint of love. He, he constrains you. You see what I'm saying? The reason why I'm preaching this morning, I have been constrained by love. 
Otherwise, I'd be home. Which brings me to my next point. No person who has surrendered himself to God can conform to the world. No. No person. Write it down. No person who has surrendered himself to God can conform to the world. So I'm building a house here. What I'm doing now, I'm building a house. Let me start off with the foundation. Number one point, the best anyone can do is let God have control over oneself. You're not in control of yourself. You should never be. Okay, that's the slab. Now we're starting to build the frame. Number two, God does not compel discipleship. He governs by the constraint of love. So he moves you by love. Now watch this point. No person has surrendered himself to God can conform to the world. See, if you're living a life of surrender, you're not going to be looking to drink. You're not going to be looking to commit fornication. You're not going to be looking to commit adultery. Sin is not a part of you. You see, you got to understand something. The law, which was great, failed when it came to sin. They couldn't handle it. Even though it was perfect, they thought they could do it intellectually. And yet it failed. That's why God gave the grace. You're saved by grace. Because grace abounds, sin abounds more. God forbid. Why? Because sin is not a part of who he is and neither should be of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So no person who has surrendered himself to God can conform to the world. So a lot of people say, well, you know, I know I'm saved, but I got, I just got, I got to smoke a little weed. No, you, ha- you, you haven't been transformed. You still got conformity in you. What else you want to do that the world does? Ask yourself that. You'll find out how much conformity is in you. Why do you want to look at these women who hardly have any clothes on? So you want to dress like them so tight that they can strike a match on you when you walk by. What part of your butt you want somebody to look at? Ooh, we getting out. Why, the only thing people can remember about you is your breast and your butt. How about some of you men? You worse than they are. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Maybe I should have went to Hawaii. You think? <laughs> you think? <laughs> I mean, do you understand what I'm saying here? Oh, let me go back again. Why do you want to accept the fashion of the world? Why can't you pr- produce your own fashion? Now, I'm not talking about being plain and ugly. See, the church, see, they failed in that too, years and years ago. It was a sin to wear a sleeveless dress. Can you believe that? If an armpit turns you on, you got a demon inside of you. I've never seen a woman's armpit and just got excited about it. Wow, what an arm, whoo! You know why I don't like curry? Because it smells like an armpit. It does! See, no, no person who, <laughs> I think I funny myself. <laughs> no person who has surrendered himself to God can conform to the world. Let me tell you something today. The surrendered life is a life of power and a life of joy. A person who has surrendered himself to God 
can't conform to the things of the world. Why? Because they're not their own. The things that can take us off course. I, I refuse to be conformed to the world. I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. And that gives me freedom and power, and I give God complete control in my life, spiritually, physically, financially. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Every day, our aim should be to obey God's will. Well, what's his will, Brother Jesse? His will is his word. This right here. That's his will right here. And nothing outside of it will help you find your true orbit in life. Obedience is wonderful. The Bible said if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. That's what, why I've, I've lived a blessed life, not only personally, but in my ministry. You understand what I'm saying? And when you understand that, I won't tell you something. Before you ask, he answers spiritually, physically, and financially. Father, help people today to understand this because all you want to do is bless your children. That's what you want to do. And God, I ask you to get this inside of people so they can just perform your will every day and you can bless them as much as you want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I'm telling you this is it right here. People say, oh, that's just theological stuff. No, that's living stuff. This, this Bible is living, breathing, decreeing, and declaring everything that you want, spiritually, physically, and financially, every area. Satan and his cohorts can't touch you if you put this shield, like this, of faith, around your life. I'm starting to preach here again, huh? <laughs> I can't help myself because it's so wonderful. Kathy's coming right now with some great glorious moments that you sent in, and we love to share it with people all over the world. So, Kathy, take it away. Bless God, bless me, bless the people. Thank you for watching Glorious Moments. When Jess and I think about the past 46 years of ministry in over 4,000 different churches, our hearts are flooded with thanksgiving to God for every person that's been reached and every life that's been changed through our ministry. On today's broadcast, I want to read a letter written from a precious couple from Pennsylvania. We want to thank you for your ministry. We have learned and have grown so much since our pastor introduced your ministry to us. My husband has a business and Brother Jesse has shown him how ministry and business mix when others told him it did not. The more I see you teach and speak, the more I grow and learn in faith. We came to Covenant Church in December 2019 as part of our vacation. You prayed for everyone in the building when the, Spirit, when the Holy Spirit led. It was awesome. So thank you both for doing the work. You have inspired us to give God a job. He has made us debt-free and as much money in the bank as we used to be in debt. We've been able to be a blessing because we have learned from your ministry. Thank you. You know, in the beginning, Jesse and I had no idea of the impact that our ministry would have on so many around the world. The testimonies first came to us through handwritten notes at our meetings and then in the mail and now more recently on our website and on social media. You know, we're thankful for every person that's taken the time to write to us, and I love sharing them with you on this broadcast and in our ministry magazine. Psalm 75.1 says, Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks. For that thy name is near thy wondrous works declare. I hope you'll join us in giving thanks to God for his wondrous works. And God is doing so many things all over the world. And I believe that he's touching your life today. Reach out to him because he has a great plan for your life. He'll never disappoint you. God bless you today.
Did you know angels are real? And many of them are here today. God's Word is full of supernatural experiences by people just like you and me. My new book, The Hidden Help, I share a few of those biblical stories and some of my own personal experiences with angelic beings. Remember, this world isn't all there is. You are unique in God's creation, and the hidden help is always here for you. Order your copy today at jdm.org. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't ordered this new book of mine called The Hidden Help, you need to do it now. I've had some amazing encounters with angels, and you're going to find out all of it, all about it in every area. Sometimes God peels back that veil and reveals the spiritual world around us. All you got to do is get close to them. I know you enjoy reading this book, getting this book. To get a copy of The Hidden Help, just go to our website, jdm.org. Get a copy for you and someone else. You'll be blessed by it. I'm telling you, it is a blessing, plus a great teaching on what angels do. Ooh, this thing is powerful. Partners, thank you. I can't thank you enough for what you do. Why? Because I trust you. You trust me, we both trust God. And guess what? Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed going in, blessed going out. Partner, we, and you've heard me say it thousands of times over all these years. For every dollar given to this ministry, give me a soul into the kingdom. You give me $1,000, I get 1,000 people saved. I'm telling you, I know how to do that. And I don't mean to sound arrogant or, or prideful. We are doing that. And I know sometimes people think, well, he just brags like, no, I'm giving glory to God. Because if I could have done all this stuff, why didn't I do it 40 years ago? You see what I'm saying? That's God flowing through you, through me, and we get people touched by his power. Now, don't miss next week. Part two of the motive and sum of Christian life. You're going to enjoy it. Partners, your faithful financial support has been so courteous and kind to us. I tell you, you and God is what keeps this thing rolling and running. Nothing too small, nothing too big. We got a $20 million donor coming because we got a $20 million project going on. So we, we, and we always do it debt-free. We just pay cash for everything. See, we, we don't walk through deep waters. We walk on top of the water. Ooh, I like that. Glory to God. That's what it's all about. Thank you, partners, for being so kind. Do something today, today and we'll get somebody saved today. See you next week. Bye-bye. I believe that God has placed within each one of us a deep desire to live a better life. Whether it's a life free from pain, fear, or lack of any kind, God wants to bring that to pass for you. In my book, You Are Designed for Glorious Living, you'll discover how to achieve the better life God has for you. You know, long before you took your first breath, God had designs on you for glorious living. You are designed for glorious living. Available at JDM.org. You know, God did not create you to be a failure. He created you to have a solid ending and to be a success. Our November partner offer is titled Enduring May Not Be Easy, But It Gets You to the End. This message will show you how to stay steady, strong, so you can achieve and fulfill your purpose in life. Go to jdm.org and order it today. Do it now. Why did Jesus come? To save you? No, he did that while he was here, but he didn't come for that. He came that you might know the Father. And out of knowing the Father, not believing the Father, out of knowing the Father, you were born. It was all the Father's idea to create you.